I told, he, pastor asked me to, to lead, um, prayer before the service. And I told him I was just going to take a little bit of time. I want to welcome y'all to Wednesday night service. This is, this is where, yeah, it's miracle Wednesdays. It is miracle Wednesdays. It's, it's like, it's the cream of the crop. I, I, I don't know what that means other than it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff because it's the hungry that come. What's that? It's cream corn. (laughs) No, It's it's just good stuff. It's the cream. It's the best. Hallelujah. So I told him I was going to take just a little bit of time and and he is going to come up here. But I wanted to take a little bit of time and just praying, um, talking about corporate prayer because we are a praying church. How many of y'all know that we are a praying church? We are. God has called us to pray. And I want you to know how important that is and how important it is that we are unified when we pray. Um, and we, we, we know we're to pray for all of our, our leaders and we're to pray for our president and, and, um, and we're going to get into that and we're going to pray for brother Jerry. We're going to pray. He's, he's going to Hebronville. I don't know why I thought of Edinburgh, but he's not in Edinburgh, but we're going to pray wherever he's going and we're going to get his schedule and eventually we're going to have it up there. So everyone will be able to write it down and you'll be aware of, of where he's going. But I want you to know that we have been called and to be called means that we're trusted. When I think about that, it, it just, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't take it lightly at all. When you are called, it's because you are trusted because he knows that you hear him and that he knows that he can count on you to pray his heart and he's counting on us. We're the ecclesia. We are the church. We are the call, the chosen, the set apart. We are able to, because we pray with the authority and we pray corporately and united one spirit. We are able to change laws. We are able to change this, this community. We are able to change this nation. And, and, and our prayers are eternal. How many of y'all know that? Your prayers are eternal. I love that. It's like you pray and it is, you better believe it's going to happen. It has already happened. As you pray, we believe we receive when we pray. I want us to um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if y'all go there with me, because I'm going to talk about our place, who we are. And I don't mean to go into P words for those of y'all that know that I like to preach about our place and position and purpose and peace. I do, but I didn't even think of that when I, I said that. So 1 Corinthians 12. Um, let's look at verse 18. It says, as it is, or mine starts with, but as it is, God has placed, placed, positioned, placed. And I put above placed, I put command order. God commands order. Do you know that? He is not haphazard on how he does stuff. He commands order. When he puts you in a place or a position, how many of y'all have ever done that? Or I I mean, I'm not very good at decorating, but have you ever been around someone who decorates a Christmas tree and they're like, that ball has to go right there. 
And don't anybody move it because that's where it is. Or you sit back and you're like, no, it doesn't go there. It goes here. But you place it on purpose. Right? So God is a God of purpose. And he commands order. So when it says that God has place, that's what I think of. Command order. And arranged the limbs and organs in the body. Each particular one of them. I love that. Just as he wished and saw fit and with the best adaptation. And I look that up and it means he knew where you needed to be, where you would grow, where you would become better and flourish. I love that. He's placed you in this body. This body. I mean, we all belong to the great body, the the body of, but he's placed you in this body. He's called you in place and positioned you because he trusts you. Okay. He's called you. And now I want us to look there's, I mean, and it goes on to say, you know, about how not one is more important than the other. And, you know, like the eye says, I'm more important than the hand. And the hand says, no, I'm more important or the, we're, let me go to verse 22. It says, but instead there is absolute necessity for the parts of the body. All of them. No, no, I mean, the weaker, the stronger, we're all needed. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. Look at verse 27. It says collectively, we are Christ's body and individually you are members of it. Each part several, Severally and distinct. So God has appointed some in the church. God has done that. I'm going to read it in because how many of y'all know sometimes you can read. I love that we now have so many different translations because there's no excuse to not getting understanding on what God wants us to understand. Right? Okay. So I'm going to read it in the message translation. Um, I love the word of God says the way, and I'm reading verse 25 from the message. It says the way God designed our bodies is a model. I want to see God doesn't, he wants us to have understanding, right? He doesn't, he's not haphazard and he doesn't want us guessing. He wants us to have understanding. So he designed our bodies as a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. We are one. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. Say, I am part of God's body. Christ's body. That's it. You must never forget this. Only as, this is important. Only as you accept your part of that body, does your part mean anything. You have to accept your part of the body. Otherwise, it won't mean anything. Isn't that good? That's good. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in the church. And it goes on to talk about the apostles and the prophets. But I want you to know that. God, I'm going to move down to where he, it goes on after the healers and miracle workers and teachers. It says, but it's obvious by now, isn't it? That 
Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic, unidimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle workers, not all healers, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. And yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. But that's because you haven't accepted your part of the body. That's why your part doesn't mean anything. And yet some of you keep competing for the so-called important parts. Your part is important. Your part is important. My part is important. Say, my part is important. He's called us to be one. One body. You can't be a finger out there by yourself, not connected to the rest of the hand. We've got to do this together. I want us to go to Ephesians 4. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4. Thank you, Lord. Verse 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk worthy of the calling of which you have been called. (laughs) with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility, and meekness, with patience, bearing with one another, and making allowances because you love one another. Verse 3, it says, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of the Spirit In the binding power of peace. How many of y'all know that it takes work to stay together? To be one. To be unified. The word of God says in Psalms 133, it says, Where there is unity, God commands his blessing. His empowerment. So, we are one. We are the ecclesia We are to pray as one. We are to be united as one. So I want us to pray for Dr. Savelle, for Brother Jerry. Um, Philippians 127 talks about we are as a church body, a governing body. It says standing firm. In united or in unity, striving side by side and contending. That word contending means it's going to take some effort. Contending means it's a fight. Okay. Now, why would he say that if it wasn't true? And we think, oh, if I just come to church and just do my thing and not think of anybody else or not, not. I mean, we just read, be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep harmony. That's a lot of words there that mean I have to do something other than just come to church. Okay. So it it, it sounds like we've got to make an effort, right? So 
Philippians 1.27, we are as a church governing body, standing firm in united spirit, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings. That means the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that this message of Jesus will go out from this house through our apostle, Dr. Savell. Okay, and the way that we can do that, make sure that um, that we are of single mind, that we are contending for the single mind, for the faith of the gospel to go out. How we can do that is by praying for Dr. Savelle. Can we get a revelation of that? He is our apostle. He is the one that goes from here to give the message of Jesus. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want them to get saved? And he's the one that's been called out. He goes and goes and goes and goes. So he needs us to undergird him and pray for him. So that's what we're going to do. He's got a mandate on his life. He is the apostle. Um, And it's really interesting because there's a scripture that talks about that. The word Greek word is, I'm not going to say it right. S-C-H-A-L-A-C-H. Okay, what it means is that a person receiving the commission is exactly like the person who's given the order. So there you have it. So he's going as a representative. Amen? So we're going to pray for him. We're going to agree together in prayer for um, Dr. Savell. I'm going to pray some scriptures and, and if you'll just agree with me and then we'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, I just thank you. We pray right now for Dr. Savell. We pray for him personally. We pray, Father God, that you have amazing plans and purposes for him everywhere he goes. I thank you, Lord, that you fill him with your words. You fill him with your revelation. And we pray greater revelation on Dr. Savell. Greater revelation. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're taking care of every aspect of his personal life. Lord, so that when he comes alone with you, when he comes away, way to be with you that there is just a power (laughs) just a supernatural incredible I don't mean to say just because there's no just about it but I pray that you infuse that place where he is with your presence that he would have greater greater revelation greater revelation that he will be able to impart impart to us oh Lord we line ourselves up with that father That we would mature as a result of that revelation. That we would mature and become better sons and daughters. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for working in him mightily. I pray for his health, Lord. Agree with me. Say yes, amen. We pray for his health. We pray, Father, that his strength is also renewed. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now pray with me in the Holy Ghost. Oh, we praise you. 
We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray the perfect prayer. We call him our apostle. And I want you to know this. The Lord led me to say this on page 40 of our book, our prayer book. It says, this is not about titles. I want y'all to understand this. It says, this is about understanding God's fixed plan for the church. It is about how the different gifts function together in unity so that everyone develops and matures together into sonship. Hallelujah. I want us to look at Hebrews 13, 20. Hebrews 13, 20. That's Romans. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 13.20. I'm sorry. I have two of them on here. Um, do you have it in the message? Hebrews 13.20 in the message. You can put it up there. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. I love this. It says, pray for us. We have no doubts about what we're doing or why, but it's hard going and we need your prayers. <laughs> All we care about is living well before God. Pray that we may be together soon. May God who puts all things together makes all things whole. Who made a lasting mark through the sacrifice of Jesus. I really want us to look at the, he's saying, pray for us. This is Paul talking about, he's talking to the church. He's saying, you pray for us. We need your prayers. We, I, I really do pray that we get a greater understanding, a greater revelation of how important it is when we pray. God can't do anything unless we pray. And we pray corporately and pray in faith together. Amen. I believe that. I believe that with everything inside of me. Um, um, Romans fifteen thirty, he talks about striving together. That we are to strive together, and it talks about. It says, "Earnest wrestling in prayer." <laughs> that stood out to me. I'd never seen it that way. Have you all ever read that? Where it says, "Earnest wrestling in prayer." Have you all ever wrestled? I don't like wrestling. It's hard work wrestling. The uniforms are disgusting. But anyway, besides that, um, but just wrestling. But he's saying earnestly, earnestly wrestle in prayer. Because the the enemy is going to combat what he's trying to do on this earth. Amen? So we need to be in prayer for Dr. Savell. We also need to be in prayer for our president. Amen. That's what the word says, whether you agree or not. The word says that we are to be in prayer for our nation. We are to be in prayer for our president. So I want to pray for um, our nation, and then we're going to pray for our president, and then I'm going to let Pastor come up. Um, Father, we come to you in prayer for our nation today with mountain-moving faith. We speak your words and your will for this nation. We rise up in our authority, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we trample upon serpents and scorpions as we pray. We trample with our words. We override and we overrun 
with our prayers. The lies of the enemy going out against our nation. The lies of the enemy going out against our president. And I say we will not repeat those lies. We will not declare them or despair over those lies because we trust in you, Lord. Our words are winning the war of words in the heavenlies in our nation. Thank you, Father. We continue to contest in this spirit the abuse of power in this nation. You remove those that are abusing power in the name of Jesus. We speak healing to this land. We speak prosperity and unity to this land. We speak the government of heaven into this land. We declare that the life of God, the power of God, and the order of God will stand in this nation, the United States of America. Hallelujah. We also pray prayers personal for our president. We ask you, Lord, to give him wisdom and insight into all that he must accomplish for the good of this nation. We ask you, Lord, often, and we thank you for removing those men and women who are opposing God's plans and to put into place those who have our nation's best interest at heart. And then I want to pray. I want to pray Isaiah 54 that no weapon, no weapon that can hurt you, it says, has ever been forged. That word forged means that there is no weapon that has been created or that can come against you in any way that can't destroy you. Forge means it has been made for a purpose to destroy you. And Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon that can ever hurt you has ever been forged. Can you get that? Receive that. There is no weapon that can come against you and destroy you. It can't. It says any accuser or any accuser, and we're praying this over our president. So no weapon that, that comes against him will prosper. It will not do what it's supposed to do or what it, it, it's intend to do. And any accuser who takes him to court will be dismissed as a liar. And I felt like this is what we needed to pray. This is what God's servants can expect. Our president is your servant, Father. So we pray this. And it says, Lord, that you will see to it that everything works out for the best. Hallelujah. I thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you for this word that no weapon, no weapon has been formed or forged. No weapon. That's right. No weapon. And anybody that comes against him in court will be dismissed as a liar. I thank you, Father. This is his heritage. This is our heritage. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you for that. We praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Pray with me in the Holy Spirit for our president and our nation. Earnestly pray. Earnestly wrestle in prayer earnestly wrestle in prayer, concentrate, concentrate, and know that you are praying in faith, the perfect prayer going up to heaven. Hallelujah.
Roncarabra, sacarabra, no son de la masiki, me shende berre bre que rebre, shende mese querebre, lo shonda namasi, la basha barra bro, roco nonda basi, me shenende be, roconda la masha nanda barabri, re que se bende berebre. No shonda la basikira brasha karabrasi, nende berre breshe kelebre, rora brasa karabrasha nanda la basha rabrasi, o kora branda nananamasha landa la 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 ba, o ronda makara brasha kalabasi didi didi diaba. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Okay, one more scripture. Second Corinthians nine seven. As I was praying, I, I I heard, I sensed in my spirit. It's really easy when you're called to do something to go. Oh my gosh, I have to go back and do that. You know, and I've always I love this scripture because it says that you have to. Kind of like what we just read in First Corinthians about how you have to um, count your places as something of importance. You have to determine that your place that he has called you to is important. And he's called us to be a church of prayer. So we are to pray and that your prayer, your part in this is important. Yes. It's the same thing as in Second Corinthians 9, 7, where it says, Each of you should decide in your heart what you decide to give, what you're going to do. Basically, you have to already know in your heart, I'm going all the way. Whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it. Are you with me? Yes. Are you with me? Amen. Yes. Yeah. Whatever he calls me to do, I'm all in. Yeah. You got to be all in because that's what this means. You must decide. I'm reading it now from the New Living Translation. You must decide in your heart how much, how much I'm only going to go, you know, toe deep, ankle deep. Jump all the way. I'm in. Say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. If he wakes you up at two in the morning, will you pray? Because he's called you. And, and we know that if he calls you, it's because he trusts you. And you know what? He's called this church to be a house of prayer. I know that because he spoke it to Pastor Justin. And he is, he's our pastor. And we've already prayed for him that he would hear from God for us. So if he said, we're a house of prayer... I'm a house of prayer. <laughs> I'm a house of prayer. Because guess what? Because if, de- if you decide in your heart how much you're going to give and you don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, it says, because God loves a person who gives cheerfully, it says, then, then God is able to bless you abundantly. Then grace will be gener- generously supplied unto you. Then, then, and only then. When you decide, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it cheerfully, then grace becomes available for you to do it. And you will not grow. I hate this. I I hate it when people say, oh, I'm just growing weary and well-doing. No. If you're growing weary and well-doing, it's because you haven't determined that you're going all in. And you're doing something that he didn't tell you to do. Because if you're doing something he's told you to do and you've determined that you're all in, then the grace will be there sufficiently, abundantly, generously. So 
we're just, we're just getting started. I believe we're just, we're just greasing the wheels. I mean, it's just not quite there yet, but we're, we're, this is going to be good. This is going to be real good. We're going to do some damage to the devil's kingdom. We are, we're going to do it. And it's, and it's going, and I don't know how you wrestle effortlessly, but I really sense that in my spirit, we're going to wrestle. We're going to earnestly pray and wrestle in prayer but it'll be by God's grace effortlessly because we're doing it in his ability and not our own. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pray the word. He's already given us the word. We just need to pray. We need to come together in a, you know, not competing for a title. I'm the foot, you're the head, I'm the toenail and I want to be that. No, we're united. We are one body. We're called together in one spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Give my wife a hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Do you like these notes, too? Sure. Hallelujah. I love how the Holy Spirit works because, you know, we haven't really seen each other all day. So it's it's good to see you tonight, babe, by the way. but she talked about a place, and, and, and so that's actually what the Lord put in my heart to talk about as well, about a place. You know, it's important to know your place. And, uh, you know, through October and, and through the month, we had the Bendixons here and into November, and Nikki talking about the back to the basics and talking about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and just continuing on this aspect of, of, of prayer, because I really believe it's, it's a place where we're stepping into in a greater place as a church body. Because I believe it's the answer for our community. I believe it's the answer for our nation. I believe it's the answer for your personal life. I believe it's the answer for what you're called to do. Um, and, and so it's finding and stepping into that place. You know, I'm just going to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 12. And just, you know, just kind of do a, do a review as it pertains to prayer. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke 18 that men ought always to pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, says praying always with all prayer. So prayer is responsibility given to every believer, young or old. Prayer should be the lifestyle that we live, not a religious duty. That in, in Thessalonians, it talks about that God's will for us is a life of prayer. So we're not praying because it's religious duty. We're praying for two main reasons. One, it's fellowship with God. It's communion with God. And secondly, it's to get results. It's to get results. You know, in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, I'm going to read this to you. And it says this, it says, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, her sur- whose surname was Mark. Where many were gathered together in prayer. Many were gathered together in prayer. So this was corporate prayer was happening. They, they were in corporate prayer. And they were praying specifically over a specific thing. Well, what were they were praying? Well, you have to read the whole story. They were praying about Peter being delivered from prison. And here they are all focused in one, in one heart, one mind, focusing on something to happen in Peter's life. Yes. 
And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and the damsel came to hearken. Her name was Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is the, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace. He declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. You know, I I love that. He's like knocking at the door still. And they're like, that's just his angel. And all of a sudden they open the door and they're astonished. (laughs) Cause what? God answered prayer. God answered prayer. So, so this aspect of why we pray is it's communion with God. And the other aspect is to change things. It's to get results. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pray just to go through motions. I, I want to pray because I want to get results. I want to, I want to see you have results in your life. I, I want you to have results in your children's life. I, I want us as a church that when we pray over something in our community, we can see the results take place right before our eyes. Amen. The things that we pray out on Wednesday, we see them happen on Sunday morning. That we're seeing things happen. You know, people a lot of times don't pray because one, they don't think it works. But we are ecclesia. We are a group of body, a body believer coming together to bring about change in the earth. And so you have to be convinced and you have to know that as we come together on a Wednesday night or whatever, Sunday morning at, at eight o'clock eight in the morning when we pray corporately, something is going to change. Something is going to happen. And you have to know that you have a place, you have a position and you have a part. Amen. You know, he's called us to be a house of prayer. You know, back in our anniversary service, I ministered along the lines of we are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory and we are a people of influence. Amen. That's what we're about at Heritage of Faith. And growing into this house of prayer, I believe this is, I mean, if you just sense what, what happens through corporate prayer. If you, if we get a hold of what happens in corporate prayer, you're, you're not going to want to miss a a prayer meeting. You're not going to want to miss a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. You know, this is God's desire for his church. In Isaiah chapter 56, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You know, we've heard of places like the house of wax, right? You ever been to, you ever been to the Ribley's Believe or not? And they have the house of wax and, and you go in there like, and some of them that's like, they look really fake. And some of them's like, you go around the corner, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's, 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 that, that, that looks really real, but it's a house of wax. Why? Because what's there? Wax. You know, it, how about the house of faux or the house of fa or P-H-O, it's that food, the soup, you know, you eat. It's like, I don't know how to pronounce it right, but, but fa, fa, you know, the house of, why, why they, why? Because there's fa there. <laughs> the house of pancakes, see? There we go. It's the house of pancakes. So, so what, what's there? There's pan, so you know what to expect when you get there. You know, you know what to expect when you arrive. I, I worked at a restaurant. It was one of my first, one of my first jobs I had, and it was called, Kansas City ribs and OC fries. 
And, and people, if you don't know, you know, Ocean City, where I'm from, close to where I'm from in Maryland, they're known for their French fries. There's a place called Thrasher's Fries, and it's the best fries you'll ever have. It started in 1904, and, you know, man, it is some of the best French fries that you'll ever have. And, and Annette doesn't agree. I agree. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, when you get there, 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 is, a, there is a line down the boardwalk. You know, just, just Google Thrasher's fries sometime. I'm telling you, you know, it's probably the most expensive fries you've ever bought, but they're good French fries. But, but the, the thing is, I don't know where I was getting with the story, but, but, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I worked at this place, Kansas City Ribs and OC Fries. And, and the thing is, is, is <laughs> the place was only in business for about six months. It didn't last long because, because so many times they'd ran out of ribs. And so when you call a place, Kansas City Ribs, and you go in and you order ribs, you, you want ribs to be there, right? You know, it, it's like you go to a place and they're known for that. You want to make sure that there's ribs there. And so they shut down. They didn't last long. Why? Because they always ran out of ribs. And, and I'm working in the cash register at like 15 years of age. And, and, and people say, um, I, I, I want a half a rack of ribs. Uh, I'm sorry, we're out of ribs. Um, um, we got chicken, um, we got, um, we've got uh, pulled pork, but it's Kansas City ribs. I, I want ribs. I want, I want ribs. So we, we were like Kansas City house of ribs, and there were no ribs there. And so, so Jesus came, came and really this had the same attitude, this understanding. Jesus shows up to church one day, he goes into Jerusalem and he walks in and he was like, he's like, what's going on here? He goes in, he kicks over the tables, he knocks over the tables and, 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 and he, he's, he's kind of furious and he's like, well, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. You can see this in, in John chapter two. You can see it in Matthew chapter 21. And he, and he was saying, he, he was saying, look, he was my house. This house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it this. So, so what we have to ask ourselves, are we creating our own house as a pastor? Am I creating my own house or I'm creating his house? Because evidently, if it's going to be his house, it has to be a house of prayer. And so therefore, there, there has to be prayer going on sometime in the house. You know, I, I mean, I'm not going to put out any names or, or label churches or anything, but I, I know you can go into churches and yet there might, be a, there might be a lot of religious activities going on, but is it a house of prayer? Is there prayer going on? And so I have to ask myself as a pastor, if Jesus were to come in here, am I, am I creating the house of Justin or am I creating a house of prayer? Because, because we can only go so far in what Justin can provide, but, but I'm telling you, we can be exactly what God desires us to be when we become a house of prayer. Now it's interesting when Jesus, without taking the time to go there, it's interesting that when Jesus kicked out all the things that didn't belong. When, when the things that didn't belong were removed, it said, then the blind were brought to him and he healed the sick. Right, go, go, to, go to Matthew 21. I, I want you to see that because, because the house was meant to do something specific. Amen. 
In verse 13, he says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And what? And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So evidently there was some things that may have hindered them from coming in before. So God wanted to move. God wanted to do something. God wanted to manifest. God wanted to do things. But because it wasn't the house that God was desiring, God couldn't do all that he desired to do. I'm telling you, I, I, I have such a compassion on the inside of me. You know, I hate sickness. I hate disease. I hate cancer. I hate, I, I hate divorce. I hate uh, anger. I hate pride. I hate all these things. Why? Because, because I, I, in my heart as a pastor is I, I want everyone to, I want this to be a place where people are getting healed. Now, I don't have all the answers of why this or why that, but I know, I know, I, I, I want to make sure that we are providing everything in this place. We're doing our role. I'm doing my role as a pastor to make sure that this, it, this place is an atmosphere for miracles. It's an atmosphere for revival. It's an atmosphere for lives to be changed. And I want to make sure I'm not putting, well, it was that person or this person or they didn't do this. I want to look at myself and saying, is this a house of prayer? And as a pastor and as pastors, are we creating the atmosphere for a house of prayer? Why? Because I want God to be glorified in these, in this day, in this hour, in this community, in this city, being a house of prayer. You know, I've, I've been in a lot of houses. I've walked into a lot of houses and, and, and there's a, you know, I ride out with the police on a monthly basis, just went out in the, in the last week and I get the opportunity to, to be a part of when people are walking through difficult things. And I've walked in and how I've walked in houses and, and just kind of like maybe Jesus was saw the, saw that house on the outside, but yet when he got on the inside, it wasn't what it needed to be. You know, I've gone into houses and, and you can go into houses and, and yet when you walk into that house, there's a certain, there's a certain environment of the house. You know, you know, you, you ever, uh, you ever walk into a room and maybe, and all of a sudden you walk in and it's like, whoa, what's going on here? It's like, whoa, <laughs> you can tell why, because there's an atmosphere in the house. You know, I've, I've been out with the police and I, I've gone into, I've gone into, you know, million dollar homes. And, you know, on the outside, they look like million-dollar homes, but yet you go inside, and it's a wreck. I'm like, oh, my goodness. How, you know, how could, just, so just because it may look something on the outside doesn't mean it's what it is on the inside. So I want us to be what we need to be on the inside, a house of prayer. We are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. And when you have those two things, you become a place of glory. And when you're a place of glory, then the people become a people of influence. And so that's why this is so important. And, and so please don't, don't have the attitude. Well, I'm just not a prayer. No, if you, what is that? You have a part, you have a place, you have a position. Every single one of us, we make up the body. We make up the ecclesia, the church. And so when we pray together, just because you not, might not be on that microphone or, or they're not here. No, we all come in together and we're adding our supply of the spirit. And we became, we could become a place of prayer. 
a place of prayer. Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 14. God desires us to be a house of prayer. Jesus said that this house, his house, should be a house of prayer. John chapter 14. Thank you, Father. A house is a place. A house is a place. Annette talked about a place. A house is also a, a position. You know, if you, if you were to GPS or you would put in your, you know, a certain address, if you put in the address of, of Heritage of Faith, 10350 Old Cleburne Crowley Junction, man, it's a long address. <laughs> Old Cleburne Crowley Junction, you know. And you put that in, what happened is, you know, you're going to have a little red dot that's going to go in there. And what it did, it just, you just found the position. So, so when you're talking about a house, a house is a place. It's a place where you dwell. Place where you dwell is a place where you abide. It's a position. And so this house of prayer, it's, it's not just a position here in this building or this aspect of, of the people of the church, but it's, it's also individual. You, your heart is a, how it needs to be a house of prayer. Maybe there's a lot of money changers that need to be kicked over in your heart. <laughs> maybe there's a lot of things that he says, you're thieves and you're robbers. And, and you know, there's maybe there's a lot of things that are stealing the rightful place in your heart. And so whether, you know, because as, as, as your personal prayer time goes, also our corporate time rises as well. So it, it all flows together. It all flows together. And here in, in John chapter 14, I'm in Luke, so let's see, John chapter 14. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 12, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, ask in my name, say that with me, ask in my name, say it again, ask in my name, he says, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Say that with me again. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Jesus is the one that said, talked about how make my house a house of prayer. Now he's talking to them about praying and he tells them, if you ask or if you pray anything in my name, that will I do. Hallelujah. A house of prayer. Now, go to Proverbs chapter 18. Because I want you to see something about this aspect of a house of prayer. Hmm. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me get this out. Thank you, Jesus. If you ask anything in my name... Prayer 
is a place and prayer is a position. A house of prayer. It's a place and it's a position. Now, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, that will I do. Now, look at verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, a tower is a place. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. Now, if Jesus said this house should be a house of prayer and then he tells us in prayer, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now we see here in Proverbs, it tells us about this name that this name is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. So I want you to see that this house of prayer, that this place of prayer is the place that righteous people go to. That this, this, this aspect, Jesus is saying, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he's saying that this name is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. Run into what? The strong tower. Well, what's the strong tower? The name of the Lord. So this name of the Lord that he's referring to in Proverbs that Jesus is telling us about is a position and a place of prayer. So when we talk about the name, we're talking about, and we're talking about prayer, I want to communicate to you that this prayer is a place and it's a position that righteous people abide in. That this is, this is a part of my lifestyle. It's a part of my daily life. It's a part of my daily walk. It's a part of everything I do surrounded in and consumed with this aspect of prayer. Because it is a position and it's a place. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. The word safe there is also preserved. It's to be preserved. So, so here, if we're going to be a house of prayer, it's, it's this aspect of it's a place we run into and it's a place where we are preserved. It's a place where we're safe. A house of prayer. Hallelujah. Go to Exodus chapter 33. I want you to see that there is a place. There is a place in prayer that we're called to be in. It's a place that Jesus requires the church. And it's not just a few people. It's not just the pastor praying. It's not just, you know, this little group here praying and, and just those few. Well, those are the prayers that no, this is the body. And as a body, we are a house of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you, if, if you, if, if you haven't already, you're going to, you're going to catch it. I'm telling you, you're going to have a, a, such a hunger to come in here and pray. And get hooked up in this place. Because I'm telling you, it is a place set aside for you. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 33. Thank you, Father. Exodus 33. A lot of us are familiar with this, but I want to bring this out. And 
17 says in the Amplified, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked. In other words, ask would be, could be pray. For you have found favor, loving kindness and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally and by name. And Moses said, I beseech you, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Now get this. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me. There's a place beside me and you shall stand upon the rock. Now, now get this. There was a place beside him. We know it's the, the cleft of the rock. It was a place beside him. I want you to know that there's always been a place set aside for the people of God. There was always a place set aside for the children of Israel. I mean, the whole aspect of for, for God to get the children of Israelites out of Egypt was, was, wasn't necessarily just to get them to the promised land. That was the end result. But you have to understand what was the initial command of Moses to Pharaoh. It was let my people go so they can go to the wilderness and worship me. You see, there was always a place set aside for God's people. The question is, are God's people taking their place? Are they taking their position? See, we have to stop relegating our position to somebody else. You can't, you can't take, you can't let I have to take my place in prayer and I can't take your place in prayer. See, so often we're, we're wanting someone else to take that place when there's a place set aside for you. He said, there's a place beside me. There's a place perfectly designed for you. Go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Hallelujah. Yeah, I need to read this real quick. Now hear this. Close your eyes from close your eyes and listen. Before I get into this next part. With with that position being in in the concept in your heart. Know your position and know your place. For it is in this place and position you will operate in power and operate in authority. I have provided a place for my people, but they fail to take it. I've given them a right to be there, but they still don't embrace it. Last day's power and last day's outpouring is a result of my people taking their place. Let me read that again. Know your position and know your place. For it is in this place and position you will operate in power and operate in authority. I have provided a place for my people, but they fail to take it. I've given them a right to be there, but they still don't embrace it. Last day's power and last day's outpouring is a result of my people taking their place. Hallelujah. 
See, there's a place. A house of prayer is a place. And he's and, and, and what the Lord had me write down in, in saying that was it's a place and a position that when you take it, you operate in power and authority. And he says, but yet my people aren't taking it and they don't embrace it. And the last day's outpouring is all unhinged upon the people taking that place. So as when I talk about a house of prayer or we talk about a house of prayer, talking about it's a place that's going to produce what God wants to produce in the last days. But yet sometimes we'll say, oh, well, the, the, the pastor will do it or they'll, they'll do it. Or those people know you have to take responsibility. Hallelujah. It's a place. There's a place beside him. Hallelujah. Because see, it was in that place that Moses was going to take. If you go in, in the next chapter, it, God manifests the answered prayer in that next chapter. But the whole point was, was it was like, Moses, when you take that place, you'll see my glory. You see, see, it wasn't just declaring it, but it was taking the place beside him. And when he took the place beside him, then God in the next chapter answers the prayer. So, so we can declare, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory. But there comes a time when you have to take the place of that position. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. So Ephesians 1. Thank you, Father. I'm going to start in Ephesians 1, verse 20. And uh, we're going to go all the way down to verse 6, I believe, of chapter 2. Now think of all this with house of prayer, house of prayer being a place. There's a place beside him. The name of the Lord is what place we run into. Verse 20 of Ephesians 1 says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, at his own right hand in heavenly places. He set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Ha. Huh. He set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So, so Moses is a type of Jesus. Moses was a deliverer. Moses was a type and shadow of Jesus. Now it's talking about Jesus here. And it said he set him at his own right hand. So if he's at his right hand, then there was a place beside him. Do you see this? Is this too deep? Or do you get it? And this place is far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. So this place, this place that Moses said there's a place, God told Moses there's a place beside me. This place is far above all principality. That place, yeah, all, all principality, all power, all might, all dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, to the church, to the ecclesia, which is his body, the fullness of him 
that filleth all in all. You'll never be all in all by yourself. That's why I want to pray for Dr. Savell for him to step into the fullness of his calling. I want him to step in. You're like, well, he's been doing it for 50 years, but there's more. I want him to step into his fullness. That's why we, we need to pray, pray for him. Not because we're exalting him on a pedestal. No, I want to pray for him as apostle that he steps into the fullness of that gift of an apostle because as he steps into fullness, then now I can step into the fullness of my role as a pastor. And when I step in, now you pray for me, for me to step into the fullness of a pastor, then you step into greater fullness. And I pray for you that you step into the fullness of what God's called you to do and you doing your part. Whoa, wow. Hallelujah. 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 Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And you, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. He's still talking. So don't stop reading because he says, and so which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And you say me. And me has he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein when times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, this is what you were. You were, you were part of another house. You were part of a different house. You hung out a whole different place. But because of God's mercy... What did, what did God, God tell Moses? I, he, he said, he goes, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Where was he going to see that mercy in that place beside him? God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together? He quickened us together. He quickened us together. He quickened us together with Christ. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together, made us sit together, made us sit together. Hallelujah. Made us sit together. Hallelujah. So, so the thing is, 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 is you can't, you can't just look at Jesus being seated there, but because if you've received his mercy, then you know what? You're sitting there. And it's not when we get to heaven. It's right now. You're seated there right now. You're seated there right now. Even when we were dead in sins, you quickened us together with Christ. By grace you were saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together. See, if, if you're sitting, then you're in a place. And if you're sitting where Jesus is sitting... You're sitting, you're seated in a place by him in a house of prayer is a place 
where people have taken their place and are seated with their authority, in their authority, and ruling in that authority. So when we come together in corporate prayer and we're praying in that place, we are playing in our position of power and authority to change things. So now when you understand prayer, it's not just some little rich religious ritual do, but when you understand a house of prayer, wow, the enemy flees, demons flee, the church rises, the church steps into what it was always meant to be, a place that would fill all in all. Hallelujah. It's a place, a place in prayer. So do you receive tonight a whole different understanding of what a house of prayer is? It's a place in a position that not only just as a believer, I take that place, but I take that place as a corporate body. Go to Colossians 1 and I'll close with this. And then I want to read what I read a minute ago and then, thank you, Father. Something else that I wrote down by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1. Verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul would pray that they would know everything they needed to know. Don't ever buy the lie of, well, I just never know. He, Paul prayed that they would know the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and at all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers. So he's giving thanks. So he's still praying. He's giving thanks unto the Father, which made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints. So what's the inheritance in the saints in light? Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and that translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, what is this? He delivered us from the power of darkness. The power of darkness is a place. Yet the kingdom of his dear son is a place. So the question is, where are you going to hang out? Which place are you going to abide? Which place are you going to dwell in? Because you've been given a place. You have a rightful place. Heritage of faith, take your place. We are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory. And we are a people of influence. Now close your eyes. And I'm going to read what I read before. And I'm going to read you the other thing the Holy Spirit gave me. Now listen. Let's the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. It says, know your position and know your place. For it is in this place and position you will operate in power and operate in authority. 
I have provided a place for my people, but they fail to take it. I have given them a right to be there, but they still don't embrace it. Last day's power and last day's outpouring is a result of my people taking their place. Know your position. Know your place. For it is in this place and position that you will operate in great power. Last day's power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Last day's power. Thank you, Father. Last day's power and manifested glory is a result of my people taking their place in Christ. It's taking their place in faith. And it's taking their place in prayer. So take your place. Embrace that place. Run to that place. Be it set aside for you. It's set aside for this body. Your community is waiting on it. Your workplace is waiting on it. Your family is waiting on it for you to take your place. Your place in Christ, your place in faith, and your place in prayer. Thank you, Father. Yeah, I just, I just saw a picture of us doing something. I'm just going to follow that just image that I had in my spirit. If you have a desire to step into that place, take your place, just right where you're seated, just... Treat where you're seated as an altar. And I want us to turn around and kneel at our chair. And I want you to take, I want us to take just a few minutes. And I want, I want you to make your own personal declarations or whatever you need to make to the Lord. But then I want you to let him speak to your heart.
Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for this church body. I just thank you, Father, as we stepping into this new year. We step in and we shift our priorities. Because as we shift our priorities, I thank you that you open the door to supernatural possibilities. Thank you for 2020, Father. Thank you, God, that you are opening a new door and bringing about supernatural increase like never before. So as a body, we take our place. We take our position. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Receive this word tonight. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. That's a sweet presence here. Hmm. Hmm. Hallelujah. Go ahead and receive our tithes and our offerings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Wow. God's doing something in this place. And we're going to see. Wow. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Ned, Joseph, Nikki, you have anything? If I have anything, just want to make sure. I'm... Hmm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.